Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Our first pop-up, actually, um, in 2017, was um, at Afropunk, the music festival. And it was just so many women just talking about, you know, the tights that they had to wear for school or the fact that they could only find black and how their school would, you know, pester them about getting nude tights which didn't exist or made their legs look ashy. Um, And just all of these anecdotes of the trauma Um, that had been caused as a result of not having a product made for them and how, you know, there was a girl who, like, squealed, um, like, tights for black girls, oh, my God, you know? You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I am so glad and so honoured and so overjoyed to have Talia Gray here with me today. Um, we've been trying to speak, I don't know for how long, for quite a while. <laughs> a while. <laughs> but I'm just really grateful for you to join me in my kitchen in Hackney. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've got Talia Gray here, the founder of Sheer Chemistry. And I just love everything you're doing. I think it's amazing. I think what you're doing for women is amazing and just making a brand that empowers women makes us feel confident and gorgeous in our own skin. I can't think of anything better. So just congratulations and salute and everything it must have taken to get here. So just thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's, you know, sometimes the best conversations take a little bit time, <laughs> take a bit of time to get there. So thank you for, um, for having me and it's an honor to, to speak to you finally. Yeah. So Sheer Chemistry, now available in John Lewis and in Waitrose, but I just wanted to take it right back to the start of the journey and talk about your childhood, your upbringing. Um, So what was it like? What was it like growing up for you? Um, So I guess I've got a bit of an unconventional upbringing. So um, firstly, I am sitting in East London, so just down the road from you. Um, But uh, my childhood started in Sydney, Australia, um, where I was born. Uh, I might have a bit of a twang. A lot of people think that's American, but I will assure you it's an Australian (laughs) accent that you hear right now. Uh, It's a twang. It's a twang. So it's not a full-blown one. Um, But yeah, so my my childhood started in, in Sydney. And I guess, you know, the question that I always get after those words is, wow, is there black people there? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, in um, the late 80s, 90s, there was a small, close-knit community, but there were very few of us. But I guess the fact that there were very few of us meant that when you did see a black person, um, even as a, as a child, as a young person, you would stop and at least acknowledge each other and at least say hi the black um, nod in full, in full effect. In full, but I think it was a little bit more intense because you would you would probably have a conversation and you'd most probably find out that your mums are friends or your mums, you know, there would be yeah. some, there would be some one or two degrees of separation in Sydney and black people. Um, so it was, it was actually great. Um, so we were part of a an organisation called the West Indians and of the West Indian Association, um, which was just a gathering of all the black people in Sydney. Um, And so it was kind of an exchange of culture and exchange of food and music and everything that made us unique and great. Um, And so I just have really fond memories of um, the community in our house and going to other people's houses. And yes, you know, it was predominantly white, but we had this really strong and intense culture and connection that brought us all together um and so that's something that kind of ran through 
my early childhood. That um, is so amazing just to have a village like that. I mean, that really is a village coming out to support you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I guess in a really, really weird way, because people don't um, necessarily make the connection that, you know, I'm I'm very black and proud. Um, and people think, how can that be coming from Australia? But as I, I've just explained, it's it was a bit of a... Um, of a paradox but a beautiful one um and uh the other thing was that um because of the immigration laws back in 80s 90s um the black people that were in australia were professionals because you had to be in order to be there the point system exactly yeah exactly so um you know my mom's friends and you know my godparents and everything they were all professionals and doing really well and prominent figures in sydney so i guess that was a really um positive um perception of what it means to be black and um positive role models all around me so i think i'm really privileged to have um experienced growing up in such an environment that's amazing and and do you think your your mum your parents did they actively search for that were they looking for Um, that village uh well so my (laughs) my parents are both adventurous they they left um they met and got married in london um and then my dad got a job in papua new guinea which is um just above australia um attached to indonesia which is where my sister was born um and then they went on to sydney where they um stayed for 25 years um so i guess they i don't know if they were looking for the village but I think they were open to whatever they came in contact with. (laughs) So um, just being kind of open-minded explorers. I love it. And what was your relationship like with your mother growing up? Um, It's always been very positive. Um, She's always wanted to give us uh, unique experiences. Um, And I guess one of the things that uh stands out um in my childhood is uh we had international exchange students staying with us i think from probably about the age of five or six to the age of 14 15 um and why that was interesting and unique um is because you know we would have students from Germany, Brazil, um, Japan, China, all over the world coming into our home and really teaching us their ways and sharing their food and their cooking and and their language with us. Um, And so in a way, even though I didn't leave Australia for the first time until I was, I think, about 12, um, it meant that we were constantly being exposed to the world and different cultures. That's fabulous. Yeah, honestly, I traveled when I was younger. And I was born in Jamaica, brought up in DC, and then of all places moved to Bristol, (laughs) (laughs) in the West Country. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think for a young child, seeing and meeting different peoples, seeing different cultures, being exposed to all of that really helps to expand your mind in conscious and subconscious ways, things that are just not tangible you, you know you can't put a va- you can't put a value on that can you of what it can do to a young mind forming to see all of these things exactly just to take it in exactly so i think that was that was also a very powerful thing that um my mum exposed us to um and something that kind of continues on to how i am as a, as a woman today brilliant why hosiery how did this come around why is that what how did that happen because i i mean hosiery is a completely i don't know i think people i don't know maybe think of doing side hustles or whatever however you come across your kind of passions (laughs) but just hosiery just feels like such a technical it feels like another world to me i wouldn't know how you would 
yeah find yourself in it yeah well it's um I'll take you through the journey so um I I studied um international business in Birmingham um and one of the things that led me to go to Birmingham is that they had a compulsory year of travel um so in my third year I ended up in Brazil um which was amazing but um why i mentioned that is after graduating i just wanted to go anywhere but here so <laughs> so <laughs> so i found um i was fortunate to get um a graduate job uh in new york for a year um and it was exciting because you know having lived in london and the uk um i just wanted access to products that at the time you couldn't necessarily find in london um such as hair products makeup products um you know fenty wasn't a thing there was there was yeah. mac but it was still you know you had to go to selfridges to get it um yeah. and i always the, remember mary kay and all those sort of brands yeah and like fashion yes yeah so yeah. i would i would steal my mom's fashion fair um, and so I think one of the things that excited me about being in New York is just seeing black faces everywhere. Um, yeah. And not just, you know, in the streets, but on billboards and in yeah. boardrooms and, and yeah. all of the, all of the likes, you know. I know, I know, ex I do know. I know exactly what I mean. Because I remember as a child growing up in DC, everything was black. My yeah. school was black. The hospital was black, the doctors are black, the lawyers are black, the yeah. teachers are black, everything yeah. was black. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, um, you know, coming from Sydney to London at the age of 15, I think I had an impression that it would kind of be like that. Yeah. Um, but it's it just, and also just to give context and context in terms of years, um, I came or we came in 2001 or 2002. Um, so it's not like 2021 where, you know, you do actually mm -hmm. see black faces on things. It, it really wasn't that. And yes, I, I was, um, I was, uh, really glad to experience seeing black faces on the tube and, you know, at school and everything, which was a new, a whole new ball game for me. But then when I opened magazines or when I turned on the television, it was all this tokenism, which I was like, really because this is that's it's that was very much what Sydney was like and you just didn't see black faces anywhere and I thought it would be different in London and was disappointed actually um so New York I was kind of craving that oh my god that is a game changer isn't it yeah Being in that yeah, space it really is um and I guess you know I was working in an investment bank um within HR um and you know basic things like wearing a pair of tights <laughs> that match my skin tone I thought yes I'm in New York and I can finally just get just this these basic products I, I wasn't asking for much I just wanted to go on the high street and buy what I needed whether it was for my hair my face my leg yeah that's and have your legs not look gray exactly so Understood. I, I thought it was pretty much a basic ask um it is a basic ask. Yeah, yeah. So so I went in <laughs> department stores, um, you know, really confident, um, asking for um, tights that match my skin tone. And I was always met with kind of a puzzled look like, what? We, you know, for you? No, we have, we have grey or nearly black or we have, you know, these ashy nude, nude in inverted commas, um, yep. you know, which in the department store light, sometimes you could kind of squint your eyes and think that, that it could work. And then you put them on the next day and then you're just really self-conscious thinking that everyone's looking at your legs because they are. Um, and you just, you just feel like a mess. You don't, you don't feel like, you know, the, um, the mover and shaker that you, you want to be, you know, especially in a new job in a new city. Um, so it kind of became, a, a you know, a citywide search, a national search, an international search, just to find tights to match my skin tone. And I don't know why I was so hung up on it but I was um yeah. and for me it was 
you know, why in, well, at the time it was 2011, why in 2011 um, when, you know, there's so many prominent women of color, so many prominent black women in New York doing things that we can't get a basic product? Does, is Why can't I be seen? And why is my skin tone not um, worthy enough to be considered and celebrated in such a basic, basic product as tights that I wanted at the time to wear every day? Um, so I thought it didn't it didn't land on me immediately, but um, about a year or two later, I was like, you know what, this is something that I should do. Um, and so that's just amazing, but with no background. So coming from your your was it investment banking? Yes, I was working in HR in learning and development. Right, um, but no design, no marketing background, no fashion background. No, so no, no, no fashion background. As I said, the the only connection I I had is that I'd studied business. So I yeah. I had always wanted to start a business of some sort. Um, mm. But in terms of the connections, the experience, there was nada. <laughs> um, but I think I was, I had naivety on my side um, because I was like, you know, how hard could it be? Um, I love it. I mean, if you if you probably had known how hard it would be, it, it might not have been I would have never doable. done it. I would have never done it. If I knew what I know now, I would have never yeah. done it. Um so yeah. as I said, I had I had youth and naivety on my side and I really threw myself at it and I guess I, I broke it down. Um I guess I'm a, a quite a logical thinker. Um, and so for me, you know, once I came back to London and I decided that this is something that I was going to do and, you know, I'd spoken to my friends and family to see what they thought about the idea and everyone was like, oh my gosh. And they would tell me about their experience of buying, you know, tights and, you know, the history of their buying and everything and how they used to buy in Brixton Market and then it disappeared and, you know, when they went to school or when they um, were doing ballet when they were younger how it would make them feel and all of this oh, stuff got a zillion ballet yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I got all of this information and I was like you know what this is something that I have to do and this is something that we um we deserve and so she chemistry really um was something that I wanted to create to celebrate the diverse shades of brown and um the diversity of our beauty um and really tell our story um and also change the perception well the media perception of what it is to be a black woman or a woman of color um because i wasn't really seeing the imagery um and the narrative that i wanted to see and that was um that i'd seen growing up yeah and and starting out so the really the beginning stages what sort of barriers were you facing as a female yeah. as a black female yeah well I, I can imagine it might have been a tiny bit tricky yeah yeah it, it was and it wasn't um so as I said I'd um I'd broken it down and so I the first thing that I, I needed to do was to figure out how I was going to create these shades um, because I knew that I wanted to match all the brown skin tones, but how would I do that? And so I just thought of things that already existed. Um, and I've spoken a little bit about makeup um, and the brands that did exist at the time, like Mac and Fashion Fair. And there was also a brand called Black Up, which is still um, around. Um, and I would go to Debenhams and Selfridges and collect all the little pots um, of all the shades and I would speak to the makeup artists and um, get kind of their intel and they would tell me the trends and who buys what in terms of shades um, and I would have these big A3 sheets of paper and I would you know grade them and I would group them um, and I also at the same time did a survey of hundreds of women um, 
just asking them about their tights buying patterns as well as what shade of makeup they currently wore um, and I made like a database and <laughs> converted everything to MAC shades um, and basically this research because this this is just the way that my brain told me to do it um, so it aligned to I thought I would have six shades in the beginning um, <laughs> but basically the data that I'd collected um, kind of all aligned to five dominant shades um, and I did further research with like makeup artists because they they knew all the stuff yeah. Um, and yeah so I sent oh, so I guess the, the first barrier after I'd um, decided on on the shades that I was going to try and replicate is how the hell do I find a manufacturer <laughs> yeah how how do I do that um, and so me thinking logically again um, I thought I'll just go on Google sure yeah. <laughs> how did that how did that work for you um so it went okay so I I um did a, I made a list an excel spreadsheet of like all the the UK manufacturers of tights and I'd found out their contact numbers and etc etc and then um I never I I sat on that for a long time because I think and maybe um listeners can identify with this at the beginning sometimes you're quite um maybe scared is the word that people will steal your idea mm. um so I didn't really want to be calling around all these people who are already in the business and then I thought you know they're gonna they're gonna hear my idea and then they're gonna just do it for themselves and I, I don't know how to protect myself and therefore I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait it out and so I um at that, how I got around that is I was well, acknowledging that I didn't have any experience in the fashion industry, I started going to events, business events, fashion events, um, and I love, like, love Eventbrite. Um, <laughs> and so I would just, like, go on Eventbrite and be like, fashion event London. <laughs> this and, is brilliant. Right. <laughs> and I would go and... Um, and I would start telling people my idea and and I think in the early stages that's what really gave me um like, ammunition yeah and like the early validation and the confidence that I needed to like actually do something because you know people were a few steps ahead in doing whatever they were doing and just saying it out loud like this is what I'm thinking and this is what I'm gonna do people like yeah yeah you have to nice um, kind of holds you accountable exactly. saying out loud makes it real exactly exactly so um I think that's that's one thing that I would definitely advise um anyone who's kind of got an idea but they're not sure how to start I think mingling with people who are trying to do things is is always a good way um and so I found myself at um in the very very early stages I found myself at an event at the London College of Fashion called the Business of Fashion and um I remember this event yeah yeah <laughs> this was back in I, I want to say it was about December 2013 um and I, this is when I had my my spreadsheet that I that I got from Google Research, um, and there was a woman on the panel whose name was Emma Willis, um, and she has a bespoke shirt company in Mayfair. She still does. Um, at the time, she was um, having or discussing the challenges that she's had finding a manufacturer, finding a reputable manufacturer because she had just um, launched in New York. Um, but uh, after quality checks, they had to pull her shirts from shelves because they weren't up to par. Oh, God. Yeah, so she ended up buying a factory. I know that not everyone can do this, but <laughs> she, <laughs> she ended up buying a factory because quality was so important and she just spent her whole time talking about manufacturing and how important it is and how important quality was. So naturally, I asked the question, the first question, to her saying, I'm at the point where, you know, I told her I want to start a brand, um, a tights brand for women of color. 
um, I've got a list of manufacturers, but how do I protect myself um, and my idea and how do I go about finding a good manufacturer? Um, and so she said in response to that, I actually have a friend <laughs> in, the, in the hosiery industry um, and her friend um, was very connected in the hosiery industry. Um, coincidentally, this is sometimes I think, and the, you know, you mentioned like fate and intuition. And so this was like a perfect example for me of just like perfect alignment totally but but I mean it's alignment but you've put yourself out there yes and you're in the space and you're you're saying out loud that is testament to you yeah yeah but um yeah so I guess in the in the very early stages this woman Emma put me in contact with um a prominent person in the hosiery industry who introduced me to several factories um one of which um I did all my product development with so I I want to say it was it was a challenge at first and as I said I, I sat on the list and I met this woman and she connected me with people um and I guess the this so that part went quite smoothly um but then I, there was a blip um in the fact that I guess you know what the second part of her answer in terms of protecting yourself was talking about the contractual side and NDAs and and the necessity of that um and I guess I when I was dealing with um this original manufacturer who was amazing and I did all my as I said my product development but there comes a point when you have to reassess your contracts and confidentiality and unfortunately I had to look for someone else um about a year and a half down the line which was a learning for me hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's scary. I mean, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, it's scary. That's a lot, a lot to think about. And, oh, and also two things when you were saying all of this, are you still working full time when you're doing all of this, going to the events, making your spreadsheets, yeah. having all these conversations? Yes, yes, yes. So um, I was developing sheer chemistry alongside my full time job for about three and a half years wow um so it wasn't something that I well I thought number one it would take me about six months <laughs> <laughs> I literally push, 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 I, no I literally thought from the idea I could have my stuff on shelves in six months that's that's what I actually thought oh the dream yeah. <laughs> so three and a half years later after developing I was still working full-time I was still doing it alongside my day job in the evenings on weekends um and even when I launched the business in 2017 I was still working full-time and it was only at the end of 2018 that I left full-time employment. That is a mission and a half, isn't it? I think a lot of people would have thought that six months until you're in it. And then also, I suppose that three year, well, that period 
Did it feel like that long? No. Or did everything, because every milestone, you know, you're in it. Like when you're in the trenches, you don't realize how long it's taking. Exactly. And I think because I was so, I think from the beginning, my heart has always been like 500% in it. And it hasn't been about, you know, making money and being successful and famous or whatever. It's really been about like just creating a product that celebrates us that's all I want to do I want us to feel seen I want us to feel celebrated and really this is that was the whole driving force throughout the whole whole process and then I'm one of those people who just get really stuck in like the developing of a project and the problem solving and how do I how do I you know create a um, come up with a solution for this thing right now and that's what really excites me I think brilliant. And I think just a testament. I mean, I think it's good to hear what it really takes because I think you can see from the outside, Mm. it could look easy or maybe from Instagram or listening to a podcast or seeing you in any of your, you know, press write-ups, it, it, you could think, oh, maybe a year or so. Um, But, but hearing, you know, three and a half years in whilst working full-time, whilst, having to go through NDAs and paperwork and all the graft. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about, I assume, the sort of money that you've had to put in Mm -hmm. and what you've had to do to do all of that. You know, it's it's a lot. And I think people, I think it's good to hear, you know, what what it takes. Definitely. And I guess, you know, I I did kind of land on my feet with the the referral from from Emma at the event. Um, But as... As I mentioned, um, that kind of relationship went pear-shaped in terms of the manufacturer. And so Mm. I had to start from scratch at one point. And I was like, wow, how do I do do this? And again, I I went to Google. I, I made a spreadsheet. And then I would call everybody. And within two weeks, I was on a plane to Italy. Oh. And when people say, okay, so did you, do you speak Italian? No. Um, and another thing was in terms of going to Italy. So the hosiery industry is a small region in the north of Italy. Um, I just got a plane. I thought, well, you know, in London, there's taxis everywhere. I'll just get taxis. It's fine. Um, but it's an industrial, rural area of Italy and there's actually no taxis <laughs> and you don't speak Italian <laughs> yeah so the awkward part about that because I'd had like back-to-back meetings over two days I met with um, I think six factories um, so I had to rely on the kindness of the person that I'd had a meeting with to drive me to my next meeting, which completely... Oh my God, other business. Yes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I had no choice. So I, it completely blew my cover. But of course they would have like been talking to each other and um, saying, you know, there's this black girl in t- town who's meeting with us all. So I'm sure they already knew. But because they had to actually drive me to the next place... Um, yeah, it was, I was completely exposed. <laughs> and, and did you go with the person that drove you or did you go with somebody else in the end? Um, no, so I would have a meeting. I would have a meeting. And no, I mean the actual manufacturer that you, that you went with, that you signed with in the end. Um, was it the person that drove you around for however many weeks and how many hours? <laughs> or did you go with somebody else? Well, no, so I would, I had six different meetings. So I would have one. And then I, they would drive me to the next one. Then I had the meeting. Then they would drive me to the oh, next okay, one. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was. I thought there was like one person driving, no, shopping no, around. No, okay. so each person okay. I had to be. So they were like, "So where are you going next?" And I'm like, um. <laughs> "Your competitors down the road. Yeah, they give me a better price." I know, I know. So yeah, that was the awkward part because each of them drove me to the next person. I do love the balls of that, though. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> well, otherwise, I wouldn't get there. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, and because the the the, the hotel um, got me to the first the first meeting, so anyway, it was it was very interesting, and it was kind of a, a confidence building exercise. Me being out in Italy on my own, not speaking the language, and relying totally on, relying on the kindness of strangers. 
Yeah. What, when was the moment where it dawned on you when you're just thinking, holy crap, <laughs> I'm in the middle of Italy. I don't speak any Italian. I don't know what, you know, did it, did it, were you scared? Was there any fear? Or were you just like, I'm here now? Not really. Um, there was, on the, on the first night, because um, I was staying in this really random town um and I was really hungry and there wasn't really anything around so I thought I'm just gonna walk and find something so it was like this little country road and luckily there was like restaurants not too far away and um but there was no one around so I passed this bar and there was a private party and I walked in can if you can imagine like there's all bustling in this um restaurant <laughs> It's a, it's a private party of about 15 people. I walk in and everyone just stops and looks at me. <laughs> and I'm like, um, hi, uh, does anyone speak English? <laughs> and one person's like, yeah. And I'm like, I just need something to eat. Where, where do, where, where's a good restaurant around here? <laughs> um, so I think in, the, in that moment I was like, oh. I feel like I'm 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 way over my head, but you know there was something round the corner and it was fine again. So um, yeah, it, it just kind of worked out. And I guess because I lived in by this time I'd lived in two different cities, um, one in Brazil and one in um, in the US. I, I feel like I'd been in that situation plenty of times, so it wasn't really that awkward. I just think that's so incredibly brave, so incredibly brave. And so many points where you could have turned back mm. um, and you just kept on pushing. Amazing. So you're in Italy, you find your manufacturer eventually. Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, it was a case of, and why I wanted to go by myself rather than, you know, relying on samples and, and things like that or relying on telephone conversations is I wanted to meet the team and I wanted to see the factories and I wanted to see who was working in the factories, you know, and I think when you're building a brand, you have uh, this, a certain level of accountability that you can't just take people for their word. Um, mm. And so it was really important for me to, to go out and see everything for myself because then I, I could stand by kind of whatever products and whatever qualities I, I was going to make and be like, yeah, I've, I've vetted it, you know? Yeah. So now in 2021, nearly four years into the business, mm -hmm. how does it feel looking back on what you've created? Um, it's quite, it's kind of wild. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of wild because I literally, um, ran with an idea. I ran yeah. with just a pure idea and a feeling that I'm the person that needs to create this. Um, and so I'm, I'm really proud, um, of the brand that I've created, the products that I've created and, um, and where it is now. Um, and I think it's kind of made progress in terms of um, inclusivity in fashion and and just basics that we all need. A absolutely. And it's about celebrating, empowering women to feel comfortable and gorgeous in their own skin. Can you share any feedback that's really stayed with you? from from your customers anything that's yeah you know, truly moved you yeah well I think there was a there's a recent there was a recent email that I got um earlier this year I did an interview with um Mary Portis on, on BBC um and it, on the back of it a 70 year old woman um who is of um, Bayesian heritage contacted me and she basically outlined the whole history of 
her tights experience and <laughs> she said you know as a young um, woman she worked in John Lewis and she was required to wear tights and um, she um, got in contact with the head office several times about how they should have tights for them of colour and she could um, tell me the brands that she did buy and where she bought them from and the countries that she bought them from and she's like in my 70 years finally we have sheer chemistry and finally you've arrived and she's like I'm just so thankful because I've been writing letters about this for like 50 years um and she's like you know it's been um (laughs) something that I've struggled with all my life Mm. so I that really 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 moved me um that email but um I think apart from that I I know that, you know, for the past year and a half, we haven't been doing, you know, in-person events or pop-ups, which is a love of mine. I love a pop-up. Um, <laughs> but why why I love pop-ups um, is because you just hear the personal stories of people and their experiences. Um, and so our first pop-up, actually, um, in 2017, was um, at Afropunk, the music festival. Oh, yeah. Um, And it was just so many women just talking about, you know, the tights that they had to wear for school or the fact that they could only find black and how their school would, you know, pester them about getting nude tights which didn't exist or made their legs look ashy. Um, And just all of these anecdotes of the trauma um, that had been caused as a result of not having a product made for them and how, you know, there was a girl who, like, squealed, um, like, tights for black girls, oh, my God, Yay. you know? Um, so it's just those moments of, like, joy. Um, that keep you going. Yeah I, just, you, yeah, I just love it. I love it. I, I bet. I bet that is good soul food which can, which can keep you going. I mean... When you explain that, it is trauma. Mm-hmm. It, it really is trauma to go with these experience. I'm sure many people have a ballet story yeah. to share with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and those situations, being made to feel like that, you know, what you're doing, what your products are doing, allowing women to be seen, allowing young women and girls to be seen and anybody identifying as female, anybody who wants to wear tights. Exactly. It's just... Um, it really, it is powerful and it can be a game changer and it can, you know, make you walk taller, which we don't know what that can do. You know, yeah. someone walking taller into a interview, you know, getting the job, yeah. Yeah. becoming a future thought leader, trailblazer. This is, this is what these things can do, you know, to be seen, to be validated and... Yeah. It's just so important. So yeah, I'm grateful you stuck at it. I'm grateful that you didn't turn back when you got to Italy. And, <laughs> you know, it, it takes guts to do what you're doing and to keep on going. And I can imagine the sort of negativity and the barriers and the things that yeah. you must have got and the things you may still get. But yeah, it, it's great. And I would hope that those lovely comments and the pop-ups and all these, you know, that, that woman messaging you, that makes me want to cry I just know I you know you can feel it you know what that must mean to her yeah and yeah just brilliant so just wanted to think anybody who is listening who was looking to start a business looking to finally put some time into that side hustle any I don't know gems or three points or anything you wanted to share for someone thinking about starting a business from scratch yeah yeah I would say firstly don't be afraid to share your idea um you know in the beginning I was I was actually very scared that everyone was going to steal my idea but then you realize that (laughs) No one cares. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, sharing your idea is powerful because it allows people to help you. Um, yeah. It allows people to open their networks. Um, you know, if they do know someone who's doing something similar or 
um, you know, in the industry, it, it just allows them to help. And that's what you really need um, in the early days. Um, and then another piece of advice that I got quite early on um, was I asked another question at an event um, and I said, you know, I've got no money and I need help. <laughs> um, help me. And I, and I, but I, I can't hire anyone because, you know, that costs money. Um, and the guy said, you know, you've got friends and family, I'm sure. And he said, just ask them. He's like, identify what skills you need and look around you, friends, family, etc. And And find it in your village. Yeah. And ask, like ask them. Um, So on the back of that, I asked two of my close friends to join the early sheer chemistry team and they volunteered their time and energy for like the first two years, like pre-launch and helped me with so much so much um and it wouldn't have been possible if I didn't ask them look at that um I mean it's just so hard even everything you're saying even just saying share that's hard isn't it 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 is because you're vulnerable that's hard and then asking for help yeah even harder I know but I know you know it wouldn't have been possible without yeah you being brave and doing those things but um yeah I would say just they 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 are hard but at the same time they're so simple yeah so share your idea ask for help um, anything else and then start <laughs> actually do it actually just go and do it yeah yeah i suppose you can just procrastinate can't you and think of a zillion reason why yeah. not to do it yeah and because you know i meet a lot of people even like some people are like oh my gosh I had that idea for tights you know five years ago and what I always say to people when they say that to me I'm like you should do it yeah you should do it like it's not too late um and I'm I'm one of the people who believe that there's never there's always room for everybody and you know competition is healthy and competition is good um so the more the merrier is kind of my yeah, ethos. I agree with you. Um, I agree with you. But yeah, I think starting is really important. Important. Yeah, that one, that last just start sounds so simple <laughs> and so easy, but it, it really is really great advice. Just start, just do it. Because you're going to learn so much, aren't you? Yeah. Just doing yeah. and getting on with it. And I think, you know, we no one ever has the answers at the beginning and you don't really know what is required of you at the beginning you can't possibly know so it's just kind of taking that first step and then another step and then another step and then another step you know because you know even when we were talking about you asked the question um when did you um go full-time which wasn't it was very far, 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 far down the line. Um, but, you know, a lot of people use the term taking the leap. And I actually, yeah. I actually, to be very honest, I took the leap <laughs> and left my job about three times. And then <laughs> I got another job um, yeah. because I ran out of money or something. Um, so it's one of those things like you just need to take small steps um and you know if you do like for me i at one point i did temp work and so i wasn't necessarily focusing on my career and then i did another job and you know so you can constantly change and change your mind and change strategy and that's okay yeah and i think as getting older I've been okay with that. I think when you're younger, it's really, really hard to think or to understand you're allowed to change your mind. I think when you get older, it's much easier to be like, actually, this is not what I want. But I think it takes, or for me, definitely, it's taken me ages to learn this, that it's okay just to have a U-turn. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think the first time I, I left my job, and then I think I did sheer chemistry for three months, and then I ran out of money, and then I got another job. Yeah. I mean, you're making it sound again very, very easy. But I, I think it's just incredibly brave, brave, and I think it's brilliant. And I hope anybody listening 
I think what you're saying is it is possible. So just start. Yeah. And you will find a way. Yeah, definitely. And it might, it might not happen in six months like you originally thought. It might take three and a half years. But the fact that you're starting and you're learning, yeah, um, you know, you can't replace that. And you couldn't have got any of that learning from a course. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, um, I think the final thing I will say is whatever the business is that you have got in mind or you're pursuing, um, you just have to love it. You just have yeah. to be very passionate about it. Um and know why you're doing it Um, because you know times do get hard and there will be challenges Um, but hopefully you know like being in remote Italy like it's an (laughs) enjoyable experience that you're like okay how do I I find the solution to this so yeah um, yeah, and did you just keep coming back to I want to create something for women of colour. Yeah. I want to create something for women to feel seen, feel validated. You just come back to that anchor there. Yes, yes, always, always. Um, And so it was always worthwhile for me because I knew that this was a worthy cause to pursue. Um, So as long as, as long as your, your why is like concrete um, and, you know, in those challenging times, you can draw back on it it's it's absolutely going to be worthwhile um yeah so that's just something that I would advise just to make sure it's it's something that you're really passionate about and you love oh thank you so much for sharing with us sharing with me and just sharing your journey so what is next for sheer chemistry oh anything that you can share with us well (laughs) oh there's there's so much there's so much I guess um, you know, lockdown, COVID has been a time of reflection for all of us. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm based in East London, um, but I'm actually going to be moving out of London next week. To Italy? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> to the Midlands, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I will be establishing Chemistry HQ in the Midlands. Um, Fabulous. Yeah. So there's a few products that I'm working on. Um, but really just kind of forming the found like the, the foundation foundations um, uh, that's going to all be happening in the next few months. Fabulous. I cannot wait to see all these amazing new developments. Yeah. Um, so please do stay in contact and I'll pop all your links so everyone can find out what you're doing. But thank you so much for just sharing all your ups and downs with us, because I think it's important for people to understand what goes into it. Like I said, I think on the outside, it can look so easy and these things just happen overnight. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing the ups and the downs and everything that goes into it. No problem. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. Um, And as you said in the beginning, we are now available in John Lewis and Waitrose um, in 71 stores throughout the UK. Um, there you go. So yes, you know you know where to find us. But on on the socials, it's just sheer chemistry everywhere, and the website is sheerchemistry.com. Dope black moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Moms. Thanks so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 